God loves you. Yes, even you. And He loves you as the individual you can be as well as the individual you are. That's amazing. However, in this world of sin, we are called to respect the individual but congregate as the collective, to come together as one, to stand together as one. The Christian life is respect for the individual and respect for the Christian collective because if we do not join together as one, if we do not join together in Jesus, if we do not respect the communion of believers, we end up like that verse in Judges where it says, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And you know how that worked out for God's people back then and throughout history and sometimes even now. I'm Andrew Campbell and this is Sabbath School University. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. Sabbath School U, a weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Welcome to another episode of Sabbath School University, an episode that is very, very special for me in particular because for the first time ever, my wife is on this show. Mm -hmm. uh, we got married in the summer, and, uh, and um, this is the first time that she's made it onto the show. And we have another married couple mm -hmm. that's on the show here too. Now, I want you to introduce yourselves uh, to our viewers, um, starting right here on my left. You can uh, tell us your name, um, what you're studying, and where you're from. My name is Annalie, and I'm studying the, uh, the MBA program here at Andrews. I'm from Norway. All right. Very nice. And I'm Sarah Burton, and um, this is my husband, Kevin, <laughs> and uh, we got, oh, well, I shouldn't introduce him, but uh, <laughs> he can introduce himself. We got married this summer, and um, I'm studying religion and anthropology. Uh, this is my last semester. And um, I'm from Michigan. Very nice, very nice. And I'm Kevin Burton, and uh, I am here at, at the seminary now doing a historical theology degree, an MA. Okay. Um, and uh, I came from Arkansas, so I'm from the South. All right. I met a northern, a northern woman. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, so it's been, that's life, and it's fun. All right, <laughs> great, great. Now before we get into the lesson, only I know that you speak Norwegian very well, so I'm going to invite you to read our key text and then pray in Norwegian. All right. A key text is from uh, 1 John 3:16 from the New King James Version. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Let's pray. Kjære Gud, tusen takk for at vi kan være her i dag og studere ditt ord. Jeg ber om at du må fylle oss med din herlige ånd, så vi må få ordene fra dig, så vi kan dele med hverandre og med de som ser på. Takk for at du Amen. Yeah, now I'd have you know that I can understand not all but a lot of what she says. I've been <laughs> learning I've been learning Norwegian. Oh good for you. Yeah, actually we got married in Norway and we spent five weeks there and so it was, it was a lot of fun and I learned a lot of Norwegian. That's great. And I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's good. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, we're gonna be talking about the Christian life. Um, it's not quite of a Transition, not, not a good transition, but it's a transition. 
Um, we're talking about the Christian life this week, and uh, to get us started, Sarah, um, you know, what, what do you think about when you think of the Christian life? How, how would you define the Christian life? Well, I think you'd have to start at the beginning of how a Christian life starts. Okay. Beginning is a very good place to start. Okay. And uh, I think, you know, the Christian life is a journey, and so there's, there's a beginning where you have to step away from <clears throat> just relying maybe on, say, your parents' beliefs. You know, you're not just born okay. a Christian. I think you have to accept or decide for yourself that you're going to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And when you make that decision, you, you enter in on this journey um, of, you know, sanctification where you grow each day closer and closer to, to God. And the Bible says, um, you know, that, that we are transformed into his image mm-hmm. as we are on this path. And I think that's what it means to live a Christian life, that, that your life gradually, your will matches closer and closer to the will of God. And it's okay. a process, and I don't think that it's something we always recognize visibly is happening, um, but it's evident to those around us. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Kevin, I mean, um, tell me, tell me, just like from your own like personal experience, you know, what what does it, what does being a Christian mean to you? How much of that is part of who you are? Well, I I would say whenever I got to my beginning point, as Sarah said, um, I was probably <clears throat> somewhere between high school and and college. You know, I don't really have a definitive date. Oh yeah, this is the okay. date that I met Christ personally. Okay. But, okay. But whenever I started having my own devotions in in my senior year of high school, my life really began to change. Okay. And uh, that was just a journey. And I started with like five minutes a day, like reading, not even the Bible, just reading some random devotional book or whatever. And I felt like I was on fire, uh-huh. like absolutely on fire. And then as I as I grew more and more and more, I finally am like, okay, I really need to read my Bible. And then whenever I went to be a student missionary in the Czech Republic, I really, I finished it and I fell in love with God in a way that I've never, I've never known before and in a way that I would probably never leave. I, I couldn't, like once I met Christ and once I, my relationship began, mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine ever changing or ever leaving. So that doesn't mean I'm perfect. That doesn't mean I'm, I've, I'm never going to make a mistake and my wife can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it does mean that I, I'm going to be conscious about wanting to let God continue to change me. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think love is a really important part of that. I mean, in in Matthew, um, when Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you know, be perfect even as your father is perfect, as my father is perfect. And this is a weighty text. I mean, people struggle with this and they're like, perfect, that's a big deal. But he's talking in the context of loving your neighbor as yourself and, and loving other people, loving your enemies. And this perfect that he's talking about is the perfect love that comes from God. Mm -hmm. And we can't love without having that love being poured into us from God. So I think a huge part of the Christian life is asking God, God, I don't have love of my own. You know, I mean, as much as I wish I could, I can't love Kevin perfectly, Hmm. Mm -hmm. except that I have to ask God, God, give me the perfect love, which you have. And I think that's a huge part of the Christian life. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, for for example, here in here in a studio, you know, it, we have teleprompters that are supposed to give us accurate information, and sometimes they don't necessarily do that. Um, for us as Christians, uh, the Bible is kind of like our teleprompter. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. it, you know, only what does the Bible mean to you in your um, in your 
Christian walk and your Christian life, you know, just tell me a little bit about that. The Bible is like, I guess, the, the roadmap um, for me. It gives me um, advice and it just tells me about all the areas of my life when I study it. Uh, I think that's a key to really spend time in the Word. It doesn't come with like a superficial reading. Um, and that's what I've noticed. Um, like for a while, maybe that was that was good, a little reading and then prayer. But as it talks about, we need solid food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't just be on the on the milk yeah. Yeah, yeah. forever. And yeah. so to really study um, the Word and dig deep. And that's when the... And dig deep really into comes. the text too. Yeah. You know, some sometimes we we think that just grabbing a verse here or there is is enough, and, and right. there's a lot of good promises. But mm-hmm. at the same time, really digging into the text is yeah. is, is very beneficial. It's yeah. Like peeling an onion. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. There's something in each layer. And you're always um, finding out something more that's just blowing your mind. Exactly. The <laughs> yeah, same the, text can yeah. can come to life like five different times in different ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's, that's Absolutely. Really yeah. amazing. So transitioning now from the Bible being our guiding light, basically. Uh, we, our topic this week is really about stewardship. And so, Sarah, what are the guiding principles of stewardship that guide the Christian's responsibility regarding gifts of possessions and relationships? Well, I think for one thing, um, humility is important. Okay. The fact that God <clears throat> has given us so much that our lives are not our own. We are, mm-hmm. you know, if we call ourselves Christians, we have to do as Christ did. And uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer has this wonderful quote. He says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Mm. And that sounds mm. like so intense, you know. But I think his point was, you know, when, when Christ calls you into the Christian life and you respond, you are giving your entire life, everything you possess over to God. Mm. And I think that requires that, you know, when you look around and you see the needs of other people, that you respond. Yeah. And that you respond out of that love that we were talking about earlier. And so I think the whole idea of stewardship is is giving out of love, giving back to God. And that giving back to God is in the form of giving to other people. For example, he says, um, you know, what you have done for the least of these, you have done for me. And he's talking about how um, those who truly acted in a Christian manner went to prisons and clothed the naked and fed the hungry and gave water to the thirsty. Mm -hmm. And these are all, I think, a part of what it means to be a good steward. I think that means handling our talents well. I think that means handling our money and giving to people who don't have as much. I think it means giving our time. I think it means a whole host of things. It's a very uh, Mm. multifaceted, yeah. All-encompassing, every part of you, like, you can't just halfway do it you have to give all of you that's i think that's sometimes why why some of the apostles in the bible like to call themselves the slave of christ Mm. because they belong to christ they Mm. are his and every part of them yeah and uh, i think that's all what stewardship is isn't it yeah well i think one of the most beautiful parts um of the formation of the early Christian church in Acts is where they're all together and it says, you know, they were one, they were with one mind, one spirit, one heart, and they shared everything yeah. and they sold their position, possessions and they gave to the poor. Mm. And mm. I, I want to see that happen in my own life because I think that that's what it means to be a good steward. Yeah. I don't know, like, how much mm-hmm. of that uh, depends on your perspective? I know there's a verse in James that you like very much, you know, every good gift, every good and perfect gift comes from above. above. Yeah. Uh, James 1, right. 17. When you think of everything as basically being given to you from God, how does that change your perspective on giving to others? 
well, I guess it's more like passing it on than really um, giving. Uh, it's because it wasn't really yours to begin with. Uh-huh. Uh, like David points out in First uh, Chronicles 29, everybody came together and gave mm-hmm. to the temple. Yeah. And he's praising God and saying, um, who are we hmm. to, uh, to give? Like everything we have is from you, God. And so it's more like being channels. And I don't think we necessarily deserve a pat on the back for forgiving because <laughs> it's like that's what God has given us. And so um, yeah. we had a perspective. It also takes off a little bit of the burden, I feel, because I don't worry as much, I guess, about mm. money because I know that God owns everything in the world that's right. and He can give it to me and take it away as yeah. He sees best. Yeah. Yeah. I think that perspective really helps, you know, when, mm-hmm. you, when you think of things not necessarily being yours, mm-hmm. but you're just a steward of it. That's yeah. li- literally what, me- what mm-hmm. it means. Yeah. Absolutely. It, God is who owns it, but I'm just the caretaker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when you take that perspective, it, it's harder to be selfish because mm-hmm. it's not yours. Right. You know? yeah. um, so moving on. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Matthew 22, verse 39. The verse, it says, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus was who said that. How do we understand this when we're also told that self-love should not be a part of the Christian life? It says, love your neighbor as yourself. Right. But then it's like, don't love yourself. Well, tell me, is there a contradiction here? Well, it certainly seems like it. Okay. Um, but I, I think there are different kinds of self-love. Um, one is putting yourself above others, okay. um, kind of like idolizing yourself over others. Being selfish. Um, yeah, yeah, just okay. plain being selfish. But if you hate yourself, that's not good either, okay. if you have low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a balance there, and I don't know how to exactly um, explain how to find it, but I think that um, just recognizing that you are a creation, uh, a, a creature that God created, and you're of infinite value mm. and just because of that you should love yourself you should take care of yourself um, feed yourself and yeah and, you're right yeah, yeah. I mean uh, but there's a limit to where if you focus too much on yourself then that's a, a hindrance mm-hmm. to, to loving others it's about balance so, <clears throat> perhaps yeah, I think, yeah. I think so. so then I guess the, the key is finding what what the Bible is talking about in terms of loving yourself um, because that's the way you're supposed, that's the barometer that you use to, you know, show love how you others. should mm-hmm. love others. You know, Sarah, I mean, what kind of examples, you know, can you think of in terms of what are things that you naturally just do for yourself that this text would imply that you should also naturally do for others? Uh, well, there's, there's basic things. Yeah. Um, I drink water. Okay. And <laughs> I eat food and I make sure I get enough sleep. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah. and you, you take, there's certain, you know, we take them for, for being basic things, but there are people True. in the world who don't have water and who don't have food. And I think mm-hmm. that this is kind of a, also a call to, to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yeah. In other That's words, right. you know, you want to look out for other people as if they were a part of your very being. Mm-hmm. Because as being, as a believer, mm-hmm. you are part of the body of Christ. That's right. Okay. So, 
if I take care of myself, which is a part of the body of Christ, but I'm not taking care of another part of the body of Christ, that's not good. That's I right. need to take care of yeah. the other part, you know, and care right. about that. But that's also the context, you know, when this verse is first, this command, love your neighbor as yourself, is first given in Leviticus 19, 18. Yeah. The context is about serving mm -hmm. the poor. Civic duty. It, civic that's duty. Right. And mm -hmm. then Jesus does the same thing when he repeats it in Paul, when he repeats it also in Romans. I mean, that's the, mm -hmm. it's the same concept. Mm -hmm. So You know, do justice, yeah. act fairly, watch out for the widow and for the mm -hmm. orphans. You know, mm -hmm. all these different things that um, may seem as if you're serving other people, but it's also beneficial to you, you yeah. know. And I yeah. think what you said mm -hmm. about being created, and so we mm -hmm. should, you know... Honor have that respect for ourselves yeah, that, that we are in people. the image of God. We need to honor that in other people. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah, and you you touched on you know civic duties, but before mm -hmm. before we get to that, mm -hmm. you know, I, I also wanted to talk about uh, a little bit about our expectations when when mm -hmm. we help others. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes unfortunately we think you know, okay, I've I've helped someone, so I deserve lots of praise and thanks, okay. and you sure. know. And contrast that with, you know, loving yourself. The, the basic things that you talked about, you know, when you do those things for yourself, you feed yourself, you drink water, you know, you expect, you know, lots of praise and, you know, pats on the back, like you said, and, you know. It, the first thing that comes to my mind when you mention that is what happens in Matthew, I believe, is chapter 6. Okay. And... Um, Jesus is, is given the principle, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, or vice versa, whichever uh -huh. hand it is, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but, I've got uh, it right in front of me, actually. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, it's, it's, I think when we read our Bibles, like, we really get to the idea that it's not about doing it for ourselves, and it's not even about doing it for credit. Mm -hmm. um, we live in a society that is based on freedom and based on having so much plenty, and, and, and also the fact that we sometimes feel that we have to let people know that we're doing good to inspire other people. Uh, but that hasn't always been the case. You know, sometimes people throughout history have done what is good just for the sake of doing good, and it hasn't been about mm -hmm. letting other people know that they've done it. Mm -hmm. And that's really, a, a, it's almost like a lost art, if I can use, <laughs> yeah. the, use it, the, that terminology. Yeah. And, and it's something we all struggle with because we feel like we need to justify ourselves sometimes. Mm. And so like, I'm gonna go feed the poor and I'm gonna m open a soup kitchen and I'm gonna advertise it on television so everybody knows about it so it becomes this big and wonderful thing. Yeah. But sometimes it's little things. Sometimes a question that you could ask is, mm -hmm. you know, if, would I do this if, um, if no one would know? Yeah. You know, if I, if I would do this anonymously, would mm -hmm. I still do it? Kind of like you a tree, know. if it falls in the middle of a forest, will anybody hear it? Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now, yeah, yeah. You, you touched on civic duties. Let's, let's uh, go there now. As far as, you know, as Christians, what's our relationship with, you know, civic duty? With civic duty, well, you know... I guess we could start, you know, when you think of civic duties, what comes to your mind? Maybe we need to define civic duties, okay, because it's a broad topic. Okay. It is, I yeah. think, I think the way that I see civic duties operating in the Bible, um, there's two kinds. There's that which you, you, uh, your, your duty to your neighbor, uh -huh. to those who are part of your community, and then the duty to authority, okay. which um, both Paul and Peter talk about. But I think Leviticus 19, particularly where, you know, verse 18 comes into play, you have these ideas of things that you need to be aware of and, and need to be careful to do for 
for other people, you know, being fair and, and being just. I mean, help, yeah. help me out here. Well, I, I would just say that I think, I think you're on the right track because sometimes I think that whenever we hear civic duty, we tend to look at the big problems. Okay. Like maybe war, for example. Okay. How does a Christian relate to life and war? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there are things going on right around our own neighborhood that we, over, we, we neglect sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, how many of us, and I'm, gonna, I'm guilty as anyone else, how many of us have, have really gone just to the people that live on our street mm. and just talk to them or you know, find out what their needs are? Um, mm. That's huge. Yeah. That is absolutely yeah. huge. And, and people, people don't really have that personal connection anymore. Right. And so when it comes to like civic duty, I think one of the places that we should perhaps start is with our neighbor. Yeah. In the literal yeah. sense, you know, not, not even the broad sense of everyone is your neighbor, but mm -hmm. just in the absolute literal sense. I mean, the people right next to you that you have the opportunity to see every day yeah. or every week and maybe just chit-chat with and, and slowly grow a relationship with them. Yeah. And you, you, by chit-chatting, you'll find out what their needs are. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then you can know how you can... Then you know what to pray can, for, yeah. and then you know how you can help yeah. them. Maybe, yeah. I, mean, I mean, we're all students, we're poor, but there are other things we can do, you know, without yeah. having to give them oh, money yeah. or even food, because sometimes we're struggling for food for ourselves. But <laughs> that's beside the point. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's just those little things. I mean, sometimes mm -hmm. people just need someone to listen. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and one so. of the principles that Jesus teaches is that if you're faithful, you have to be faithful in the small things before you can be faithful in the right. big things. So you're right, you know, when you talk about how we generally jump to thinking about the big things. The big things, yeah. And it's like, we don't really know how to do that. Well, if yeah. we would just be faithful in the small things, then maybe we'll have some kind of... And that of ties back into the Christian life because the Christian life is about growing. Mm -hmm. And if you don't start growing in the little things that you're kind of more able to wrap your mind around, how yeah. are you ever able going, be able to go and handle those big issues? Yeah. We're, we're all going to face big issues in life, but if we don't prepare along the way, yeah. we're going to be unprepared at that time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, talking specifically about you know tithe and, and giving to the, to the church body, um, some people would argue that they would prefer to be able to give tithe to whoever they choose to or use their tithe, you know, however they feel like using it to help others. Um, is there a danger in that attitude? If so, what, what is the danger? I think there is. And, and tithing specifically has is, is become an issue in, in just about every Christian denomination. Okay. Um, I'm an Adventist, so I'll have to speak to our, our context here. But I mean, when you look at the history of our church and how it's been organized, it was, it started out, you know, it's just a, an idea and a movement of Christ is coming soon. We need to tell the world. Yeah. And then the Sabbath is added to that movement. The Seventh-day mm -hmm. Sabbath is added to that. And as people began to realize how important that message was, they're like, we need to organize. Mm -hmm. And it, it was sort of a foreign concept, actually, to our leaders mm -hmm. to organize. They're like, That's, that seems to be terrible. We shouldn't organize. Um, but then they, they did, and as they were doing that, the, the leaders, the, the, there was a group of Adventist pioneers who really were footing the bill almost themselves. Okay, yeah. And so they, they came into the, the idea of tithing out of absolute necessity. Like, we are struggling. I mean, some people like Jan Loughborough like, almost quit entire ministry because of this. Mm. And, and uh, as, we, as we began to develop the system, it was always for the purpose of spreading the gospel, spreading the mission. Mm. Well, that should still be our purpose today. Yeah. And that, I believe, is our purpose today. And, and when people are, are, are sort of neglecting to give that money, it, it can hurt the mission of our church. True. Um, and it's and then, not just our church. It's, it's the mission for everyone. I mean, yeah. the, the gospel. It's yeah. the gospel. And then, uh, I mean, in your experience, I mean, 
I, I know that you've both grown up in the church. Um, in your experience, have you seen evidence of the church using, you know, the money that, that they've collected to, you know, fund world mission? I mean, ha has that been something that you've seen reports of? Or I actually haven't really, I guess, thought too much about what happens to the money. Uh -huh. I just kind of trust that um, wherever it goes, that it's used for the purpose it's supposed to be used for. Okay. Um, but yeah, I never did an audit on that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually took a class um, here at Andrews in pastoral ministry, and it was very enlightening because I didn't know the statistics of where all the ties went, yeah. mm -hmm. you know. But I know that, and I can't tell you the statistics now. <laughs> I'm a bad student. No, um, <laughs> I know that a portion of it goes back to the church, back to the local the church. Local church. Um, and after it goes, you know, to, yeah. to the organization, yeah. to the institution, um, a portion of it goes to the world mission, a portion of it goes to evangelism, a portion of it goes to... It's very divided. It's yeah. very divided. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's divided in a way that I think um, probably best suits the needs of the church. Okay. And so, I, you know, as individuals, we may be tempted to think, you know, oh, I know a better place for it to go. Okay. Um, but then mm. maybe we need to recognize, you know, 10% isn't that much. Okay. I don't think that we should ever make 10% our minimum. And if you see that money needs yeah. to go somewhere else, you maybe, mean our maximum. Uh, should be our yeah, shouldn't be our maximum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, maybe maybe we need to recognize, you know, if you think that your money should go somewhere else to help, maybe you need to give above and beyond the okay. tithe. Okay. Because, you know, there's offerings. Mm. Yeah. You know, you can right. give your offerings to all kinds of different things. Yeah. Um and the tithing is not just going to build new buildings or and stuff like that. Yeah. It's going to all kinds of different things. We don't necessarily see the outcome of all of our tithe dollars. Yeah. But I think we need to, to be aware of the fact that, you know, we have a responsibility to the community of believers. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we should feel that it's our duty. I think we should be yeah. happy to give. Yeah. And mm -hmm. happy to, when we need to, give even more. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. to the person on the street or... Yeah to our neighbor who needs some groceries. It's or... those basic principles, I think, that we, yeah. we sometimes forget about and neglect. Yeah. Um, we, we're really good at quoting like Malachi and everything and, and saying, you know, the Lord says, test me in this. And I'm like, okay, if, if I give my tithe, then God's gonna bless me, you know? But that's really the wrong idea. I mean, wrong motive. it's yeah. the wrong motive. I mean, whenever whenever the the Israelites were in the wilderness and they're, they're gonna gather the materials to build the tabernacle, it was always done, people who gave, gave out of a willing heart. Yeah. And that's, that should be the principle that we are focusing on now. It should be out of a willingness of heart, and there should be you know, maximum mm -hmm. a ceiling limit of, of 10% mm -hmm. or minimum ceiling limit of 10%. Yeah. I mean, we need to have, we need to have just a, the desire to really help people and serve. That's right. Mm -hmm. To be just, just to the desire to live for others. And I mean, that was literally our last question. You know, yeah. spiritually, why is it important mm -hmm. to live for others? Yeah, and I think it's important because we um, become stagnant. If we don't, yeah. if we just take, take, take and mm -hmm. keep it, it's like a lake with no outlet. Yeah. It would just become rotten and smell bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. It's very important. And it's vital, actually. That's what Jesus was all about. Yeah. yeah. And so. pretty much the same thing happens with, with us as uh, Christians, you know. It's, it, giving is so much a part of who Jesus was and is still today. Um, mm -hmm. uh, giving is so much a part of the Christian life. Uh, it's just, you know, part of who we are. Yeah. And uh, the principle of stewardship is, you know, definitely up there with, you know, the key uh, tenets of, you know, what it means to be 
a Christian, a mm -hmm. follower of Christ. Absolutely. You know, I really enjoyed discussing the lesson with you. Um, you know, I really have great discussions whenever I <laughs> sit down with the, the two of you, and of course, with my wife. Um, <laughs> so uh, I really enjoyed it, and uh, you're welcome to come back whenever, whenever you, you have the chance. If you'd like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool, the letter U, dot O-R-G. Remember, the goal of Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Andrew Campbell, and we'll see you next week.